All right, pups, let's go. Bother somebody else. Can't have any barking in the background. No. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 31 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and happy August. I can't believe we've already started a new fiscal year, which will be my seventh here at Zscaler. With me, I have Brian Deach, who just celebrated his birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. Thank you. And is just getting over that Montezuma's revenge from his trip to Mexico. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've had Montezuma's revenge for like 20 years, so I don't think I'm ever getting over it. <laughs> Drink that that, uh, that Pepto. He had that Pepto on hand. Maybe, uh, no, more like Metamucil, but I refuse to drink it. <laughs> All right. And we have Glenn Medina. I hope you didn't hurt your back remodeling that kitchen. Oh, Chris. Happy to be back for this podcast. It's been fun as my side hustle has been working in my father-in-law's kitchen remodel. So think of a house or kitchen, tearing it back down all the way down to the studs and then uh, building it all back up. I'm on the last stretcher putting the cabinets back up. So it's been quite some fun. Are those new cabinets or the, the old ones? No, those are new cabinets. You nice. you don't put old cabinets back up. Those got destroyed. <laughs> it's on the way yeah. out. You don't rebuild a kitchen just to put old cabinets back on, unless those are like those 100-year cabinets. I mean, they, they did look pretty tacky. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, it is my father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Glenn's stepdaddy. Father-in-law, not Father -in -law. stepdad. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> Hopefully not the same thing. <laughs> what is this, that would be... Not... Yeah. I won't even draw the lines on the family tree for that. <laughs> yeah, this is not Arkansas. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, no guess this week. We're recording early because I'm about to take some much-needed time off with the family. This fiscal year has felt like a sprint, but a marathon length, and I definitely need some downtime. Hopefully, you guys... Well, Brian's been taking off like the last five weeks, so hopefully, Glenn, you get some time. Although, I, you did send us that video in the group chat that you were in Colorado recently. So, yeah. So, so you guys already took your time off. I'll be taking yeah, my time off. Fiscal year's not over with. There's still five days here, Chris. What are you talking about? Yeah, if it's if I haven't done my part by now, it ain't coming in. <laughs> That's true. We all know you haven't don't done your part. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. You still have to. You got to fill out those TPS reports, though, Chris. Come on, get them. Yeah. Done. All right, they're Let's in the real. mail. We have to do our expenses. That's the one thing that I'm not uh, looking forward to. Yeah, expense report time. That's the one thing I miss from the like. Coupa doesn't integrate with like anything, so I can't automatically import my expenses from like Amex or from Uber. So if anyone from Koopa listening, can you please evolve your stuff, please? It'd make me like make make my life a heck of a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah, we'd appreciate it for all our listeners out there. All right. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'd like to take a moment to remember our bunny, Pancetta, who passed away at the age of nearly 12 years old, which is at the top end of a life rabbit's life expectancy. She will be dearly missed. All right, for our opening topic, the camera company Nikon, or I think in Japanese proud Nikon, uh, is going to end development on their high-end DSLR cameras. Uh, we 
I think we we've all used their DSLR cameras at one point or another. Uh, Glenn is a Nikon fan. Brian and I are Canon fans. But it looks like it's going to be an end of an era because Canon also reported that their 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 1D Mark III is also going to be the last high-end DSLR they make. And the reason for that is the popularity of mirrorless cameras is growing. And mirrorless cameras are a lot more compact and a lot lighter. But they've typically fallen behind on image quality. But they've been rapidly catching up and these companies are now going to put all their development into mirrorless now so are you guys gonna hang on to those dslrs for the rest of their useful life or are you guys thinking of switching to mirrorless i'm shocked i'm shocked that you know while you know phones have gone and done a really good job of getting into you know the everything business specifically cameras i'm shocked that the camera business hasn't gone and created a phone that was very, you know, that that could that, that a camera that could do a phone as well. Are you guys not not seeing that? Whoever runs their business really was bad about it. All I know is I like the uh, the sturdiness of the DSLR. I know it was heavier, but kind of missed the uh, the overall weight. Right? Yeah, they were built well. Like I think the Canons, they had a magnesium body. I know the One Ds did, and it's not just like plastic that if you drop it from two feet off the ground, it shatters into a million pieces. Like they were built to built to last. So I think the durability, if they can get the mirrorless there as well. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna be gone anytime soon. They they still take like forty eight megapixel pictures, right? That's way overkill for anything that we do today. Yeah, pretty much, and I I know that when. Like when we went to digital, uh, companies like Kodak, they didn't pivot and then they went out of business. And then when even like Canon, Nikon, those other companies, they made point and shoot cameras, like they didn't make the pivot when everyone changed it to their smartphones. So now I think there's another pivot going from DSLR to mirrorless. And yeah, we'll see if Canon and Nikon can, can make that jump or if another player is going to emerge. Well, my daily camera is a mirrorless. So there's that. Is that your phone? Is that your iPhone? No, no, the one that I shoot, like uh, when I do the architecture workshops, that's a mirrorless setup. Oh, that's actually really cool. Okay. I don't is that know a Canon as well, though? That is that's a, a Canon. Canon. Canon, let's go look. For all the people listening, dying to know. It's a uh, EOS M6 Mark II. So prove me wrong. Maybe it is a DSLR, but I'm pretty sure it's mirrorless. Yeah, M6 is, I think the M series is a mirrorless. So what's after M6, right? Like we got 2K TVs, but there's also 8K. So what what's beyond mirrorless? Mirror cameras? 8K is a scam. So it's a 2K, shoot. Yeah. Or 4K. Actually, did they go they went from 1 to 4, right? Went to 1 to 4 and, yeah. and technically it's it's a 4K is four 1Ks put together. And then I think I I don't even know like 8K is yeah, it's 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 all marketing. It's all architecture. So you're not buying is what you're saying? I'm not buying what they're cooking. 4K though. Yeah, I mean 4K like UHD. Uh that that is the thing. I'm not in a rush to go to 8K or anything higher than that. But the I streaming, the... I mean you got the, the stream's going to be really thick though if you're if you're trying to get any video content that actually plays that as well, right? Yeah. That's that's the other part. Like a UHD Blu-ray is like 50 gigs or something for a 2-hour movie with Atmos surround sound. Yeah. I think I, I talked to you, Chris, when I was buying a 4K TV and I was trying to figure out the difference between the $800 one and the $4,000 one. You're like, well, the 4000 the blacks are even blacker. I'm like, I don't see a difference. Like, I, I can't bring <laughs> myself to spending quadruple the cash 
on this. <laughs> I bought the cheapy, and I'm to this day I'm happy. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, save save the money, do something else with it. No kidding. I think the the other pivot might be that Canon and Nikon, these other companies, they might start like OEM their OEMing their lens and sensors to the phone companies because I think everyone, practically everyone's daily camera is now going to be their phone and what better way to make money because i think carl zeiss did that they used to sell their lenses to sony and then when that market went down they sold their lenses and sensors and things to a smartphone maker have you seen the, the new tv that's like uh it's so like it's like spaghetti thin thickness it just gets put up on the wall it's like, it's like literally like a piece of paper but the the brains of the operation is just like below the tv somewhere else like in a cabin or something have you guys seen that yet no, I haven't seen that. I've seen like rollable OLED yeah. screens. Like you just roll out like a piece of paper, like a blueprint or something. That that thing's pretty wild. I don't know that I'd need it, but it looked pretty cool. Although if you, if you can fold, then if you have those adjustable like TVs, right? Like what's going to happen? Is it going to roll in itself? Like, what, yeah. what do you think yeah. the quality is of those TVs though? Because they can't be that great, right? It was gorgeous, man. It was like watching a newborn baby deer being bo- uh, born. Yeah, for the right price, I'm sure you can get the quality you want. All right, for our first topic, there's a report out now that Apple has released that we talked about the lockdown mode. I think it might have been two episodes ago. We talked about Apple's lockdown mode where if you're a target of a spying campaign, you're a political dissident, you're a journalist, you're a human rights activist, Apple now offers what's called lockdown mode, which disables a lot of services that are commonly exploited by state-sponsored or state-level attackers. Well, Apple has finally put their money where their mouth is. They believe so much in this lockdown mode that they put out the what I believe to be is the largest bug bounty in the industry right now of $2 million for anybody that can exploit an Apple iPhone or a Mac OS device that is in lockdown mode. So it's really great to see Apple putting their money behind this that they really believe in lockdown mode and that could potentially get a lot of people to switch over that they believe in it so much that they're going to pay two million dollars for any vulnerability you find in lockdown mode what are we still doing on this call what are are you guys doing (laughs) (laughs) two million dollars come on guys let's get on it all i can say is hell yeah i love this i can get behind this 100 percent. i don't see android doing this what's their bug bounty like a free popsicle yeah, uh, Google Play Store gift card, probably. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Worth bajillions. Yeah, and this is brilliant marketing by them, too, because, I mean, Apple will make $2 million by the time I finish speaking in this sentence, and they they just get so much great publicity that says they're going to offer $2 million to anyone that can crack this this lockdown mode. That'll, that'll really get people to at least start taking a good, hard look at it. And what's the what's the real fallout here? If they find a bug, it just it makes their stuff even that more secure. Yeah. Now, what what happens yeah. when somebody finds like a thousand bugs? They're like, "Ugh, this was really expensive, guys." <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, though. Maybe, maybe it, you, th- you think that's per bug, or is that just for the list that you turn in? No, that's per vulnerability. I'm thinking yeah, three. That- somebody will find the total in the next six months, maybe three. Depending yeah, also when the release is, yeah. When it's, yeah, it's available, because three. sorry, because lockdown mode takes away all the really common vulnerabilities like unsolicited iMessages or FaceTime calls or you know weird attachments through iMessage. 
So it severely reduces the attack service. You're going to have to really dig deep down into the code. And, you know, my personal thought, I think Apple is targeting the jailbreaking community because today you can jailbreak a device and you either do it for free, do it for fun, or you pay, you get paid maybe 50 bucks a pop for jailbreaking a device. But if they can somehow circumvent this lockdown mode, then there's a lot of money in it for them to be able to do that. I can't remember how far back it was. Maybe like iOS 9. I stopped jailbreaking because I was like, everything was like a tethered jailbreak. I'm like, yuck. And for those of you, what the heck does that mean? It means you're like, if you have to reboot your phone, it has to be plugged into a computer to be able to basically get that thing back up and running and being in quote unquote jailbroken mode. sounds like a nightmare. Has it got any better? I I don't know. I I to stop jailbreaking at some point because it became too cumbersome but i, I think they still have uh, I, what was the term for it untethered jailbreak there's yeah. i think there's a special term but yeah um, untethered jailbreak i think those still exist but yeah that's it's not worth the effort now unless you really want to do something interesting with your phone i just got better things to do with my time than try and fix something in order to get it to be you know to to get some feature that i that apple has if I'm going to do that, I might as well just go with Android. So yeah, just carry an Android phone with you. So, I yeah. mean, what what were you doing that you were jailbreaking? What was your top reason? I can't even think of three. What was your big one? Picture in picture. Do you remember that? Play a video and then and then do a picture in picture. Side by side was the other one where you could work on two application or two applications in the same window. I, I don't know what the third one would be. Oh wow. It was sideloading apps that if I wanted to test an app without having to actually buy it or uh, somebody <laughs> uh-huh, developed an yeah. app. Uh-huh. We get you, Chris. To, I wanted to test out before buying it, then sideloading was a, a good use case for that. I'll give you that. Tethering was another big one. That, but that goes all the way yes. back to like iOS yeah. 3, I think. I remember that. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, it's, now it's built in. Like, so a lot of things that Glenn mentioned, those are built in now. Tethering's built in now. I think they've opened it up a bit. Series one too, wasn't it? Wasn't that like a jailbreak there for a while? Yeah, that and customizing your homepage with widgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and even changing the lock screen. I remember on my iPhone two G, like I had a jailbreak just to change to get rid of that that stupid planet that planet Earth picture on the lock screen. I think you had to jailbreak it for that. Dang, look at this iPhone user since day one. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have never switched. You guys have never got Android. You guys have never switched to Android in any time in in the the whole uh, last twenty years. Is it twenty years? Fifteen years. I was on Android for a long time. Well, not Android. I was on Verizon before they supported GSM, and so I had that CDMA network, and so I had an Android. I can't remember what Samsung device I was rocking there for a while, but the minute I was able to switch over to AT and T and uh, you know, keep my number and all the good stuff. I was gone. Never really even looked back. Yeah, same. I was on the Sprint network and Sprint didn't support the iPhone for the longest time. So I had an Android phone for, I think I had two generations of the Android phone. And then as soon as they started supporting it with the 4S, I believe, then that's when I, I made the switch. I think when I bought had to buy a phone, there was no trade-in. Um, and paid for it, and I came close to breaking my phone. That's when I stopped. Um, I stopped trying to jailbreak it because it's like I can't afford to go buy a phone, especially if yeah. they're not giving them away anymore. Yeah, and 
to their credit, like Android was super open. Like I appreciated their open ecosystem. Like if I had an MP3 on my computer and I wanted to listen to it on my phone, I just plugged it in, did a drag and drop, boom, done. Like for the iPhone equivalent, you had to open up iTunes, copy the file, import it to iTunes, sync your phone. It was really convoluted. And you know, to their credit, Apple is very secure because it's not open and Android is not secure because it's so open. So there's always that trade-off. I do miss how open Android was, but I understand the security trade-off in that. Well, that and the fact that you can add a memory card in order to increase the amount of space it can hold. <laughs> yeah. Change yeah, your battery. That, that's purely mm-hmm. profit for Apple. They they charge you $100 for $10 worth of flash memory. Pay that Apple tax. Pretty nuts. All right. For our second topic, it's a cryptocurrency topic, but not in the sense that we typically talk about cryptocurrency scams. But I thought this story was really interesting because this is the first time somebody has been charged with insider trading on a cryptocurrency level so typically when we think about insider trading we think of a person within a company or maybe a congressperson that buys and sells stock based on non-public information calling out the congress people (laughs) i love it so let's say for example there's a bill that's about to be passed in the u.s house that says we're going to give 52 billion dollars in chip subsidies to the chip makers and a the husband of a congressperson buys 50 uh buys you know several million dollars worth of this stock knowing that's going to go up and the public didn't know about this that's considered insider trading uh maybe legal or maybe not legal for congress people to do that that's for the courts to decide but basically you're you're making this trade and you're gonna make a lot of money or save a lot of money and losses based on this uh non-public information the twist here is that a person at Coinbase, so Coinbase is a very popular cryptocurrency exchange. A person at Coinbase knew ahead of time which cryptocurrencies would be uh, added to the platform. So when I signed up for Coinbase, you could only buy and sell Bitcoin. That was it. And then they added Ethereum. And then they added a Litecoin. And then they added Ripple. And every time they added a new currency, the price of that currency shot up because now people in the U.S. had easy access to buy this cryptocurrency. It used to be a very convoluted process on how to buy the cryptocurrency. But without a doubt, without exception, as soon as the cryptocurrency was added to Coinbase, the price of that cryptocurrency skyrocketed. So a product manager at Coinbase knew which cryptocurrencies would be added because he's a product manager. He had inside information. He told all his friends which ones would be added to the platform soon. Those friends bought all the cryptocurrency and some for him on his on his behalf. And then as soon as it was announced, the price shot up and they made, I think the whole total scam, they made uh, just over a billion dollars on this cryptocurrency uh, insider trading scam. Well, Johnny Law was not very far behind. It didn't take too much to figure out what was going on. And this product manager was eventually arrested trying to flee the country. He was trying to fly to India and I don't know if India has an extradition treaty with the U.S. or not, but he bought a one-way ticket to India. He was headed there, and they nabbed him at the airport, and now he's charged with insider trading. Should have spent the extra couple bucks and made a round trip. We went right under the radar. No? All right. <laughs> no. They, they knew what he was doing. Uh, it did not help his case at all that he bought a one-way ticket to try to flee the country. I don't think the judge is going to be very lenient on this particular product manager. I don't think he was smart. He didn't try to go to Canada first and then 
someplace else to get to India. Like, what a what a way to give a tell. That's a poker tell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't plan his escape very well. This is almost as bad as that stuff going on with Celsius. Yeah, Celsius was. See, I I don't know if there's necessarily malfeasance in Celsius other than it was it was too good to be true and people should not have bought into something that was too good to be true. But this this but, was straight up insider trading. Yeah, but how, how did they string this along, right? Cuz that's like that's pretty far. I mean, they they've got to do some serious association there unless these guys are trading like millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and I think that's sometimes the problem with insider trading cases like the whole Martha Stewart thing she she I think she sold the stock right before it collapsed and it's like well this was a very oddly timed tr- trade and I've you know personally I've made I, I guess you can consider oddly timed trades but it, I'm making like a hundred bucks here or there and I'm just betting the market uh, that something's going to go this way and I've lost a lot of money too so <laughs> to be fair I've lost a bunch I've gained a bunch so I think overall it might be even but i've made some trades that have paid off spectacularly i've made some trades that have have failed but i think it's those particular trades that if you happen to win every single time like you roll a dice and it comes up six every time then that's that's you're defying all odds and statistics at that point so what happens in the louis household when you have a big loss is it like an awkward dinner you just casually be like yeah i just lost a bunch of money and then so anyways uh you know we're gonna cook the rabbit or just bury it like, like what happens? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, I follow the cardinal rule that I never bet more. I never invest more than I I can lose. Any money that I put in, I I can expect it to go to zero, and it won't affect us at all. But it's like, yeah, that's a that's a bad day, and like I'll I'll make it up somehow on the on the back end. And if you have a long term investment horizon, you you almost always do. Chris is playing on house money, uh, Deech. What are you talking about, man? All the money he's playing with is all just bonus money. <laughs> you know, that's true. Good for Chris. He's just parlaying right now. <laughs> you know, you had a really good uh, look out on making a decision when, when leaving the current company that you're, or when leaving Zscatter and went on to your new venture on the unvested stock versus, you know, the potential upside on, and stuff like that. Do you do you recall that conversation? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's worth I think it's worth sharing one more time, like because like to me I'm like I look at it as like that's that's real money, and then you had a different standpoint. Like it's like there's what I can get today, and then there's there's the future, and I'm okay. Like what was that that saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I so I'll expose a little here. Like so, and these are all just theoretical numbers, right? So let's say I had, you know, a hundred dollars of stock that was left that was unvested in my in you know in in my previous company let's say semantic um and zscaler i was gonna go over to zscaler and i was looking for them to give me stock options i would only want you know no nothing less of course than the hundred dollars in stock options that are available right because those are unvested granted they they're set to vest over a certain period of time i just wasn't trying to get greedy from that aspect that's what you're asking about right brian yeah yeah absolutely yeah and and the idea is that i I look at it from an aspect of which company can i bet my money on that i think is going to do better now granted i'm not i didn't think that zscaler was going to do any worse i just thought that my options were better going to a new another company specifically this one that i'm at right now which is island because 
like I said, I, I had made my money already with Zscaler. I've doubled my money. You know, my I made two hundred dollars, and therefore, I was good with that. And I was, I, I, you know, the next company that I went to, I just asked for another hundred dollars, which was the unvested amount, right? So, it was good. It wasn't bad. Do you ever get nervous? Do you ever look back and like, man, like, uh, if this company doesn't go public, I, I just have a bunch of monopoly money. Every day, <laughs> I did that. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I had the same feeling when I went over to Zscaler from 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 Semantic, and it was like, uh oh, what did I do? And it's that buyer's remorse that everyone gets when they when they go to something new. But like I said, you play it out, and years later, you just feel like, okay, that was actually a smart move. So someone's looking out for me. Let's put it that way. And never get greedy. I think that's the thing. Don't get greedy. People that yeah, get greedy lose money. That's, that's that's the key there. Yeah, dude. always always take some off the table. You know, play with the house's money. Uh, you know, the bank doesn't care whether you're this is this is the house money or if this is uh, not the house's money. You know, the the bank doesn't care when you pay your mortgage. Take take some off the table. Get in a good position and don't bet more than you can afford to lose. You know, Chris, that would be great to put down in a book somewhere so that way our readers could read it. <laughs> Maybe for some SEs to learn. Definitely going in there. Hey. That's a good, definitely a good call out. I have the outline of the book, and I don't think you guys have contributed anything to it yet. I don't have the link. I need I'm the a, link. I'm I was looking for it. it. That's it. Did you send it to me? Yeah, send it to both. Did you send? I think you sent it in a you, you sent it in a disappearing signal format, didn't you? No, so that way I, I can't get back into directly it. with your emails. Do you did? Yeah. Okay. Check your personal email, Glenn. Get your life together. What are you new? God. Oh yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For our third topic, Atlassian, the makers of Jira and Confluence, the popular open source um, applications. They are having a pretty bad day that a hard-coded password that was built into Confluence was leaked onto the internet, and Atlassian had to scramble to put out a patch to uh, disable the account or change the password or do something. But anybody who is a Confluence admin, uh, pause right now. Make sure you have updated to the latest version and you know, uh, run, don't walk, because this is really this is a really bad vulnerability. And definitely patch it now if you haven't already. So what happened is in a version of the Confluence software, Atlassian added a, a shadow account, I guess. It was it was a basically a sysadmin level account to the software. And the purpose of the software or this account was to help migrate customers from Confluence on-premises to Confluence cloud. And this this account would do everything, make it seamless, and then Atlassian would make a ton of money because they don't make as much money on the on-premises stuff. They make all their money on their cloud SaaS stuff. So they threw this account in there to help that migration. But they had the problem of installing a hard-coded password. And the username is disabled system user. And the email is don't delete this user at email.com. So now Atlassian is scrambling to get everybody updated to the latest version so that people don't get breached using this hard-coded password. As I frantically try to log into Confluence right now, it looks like if you have SSO enabled, it's a little bit a little bit more tricky. Try it from a different browser on a on a personal computer. Or you can't get to it, can you? Because you need 
No, you can. You, you can get credentials. Through. Yeah. External. Yeah. Yeah, but how bad is that? Like, you can do everything right. You can apply the patches like they tell you to, and then Atlassian comes in and puts in this admin account with a hard coded password. It's like, what? What were you thinking? In our notes, you have it as user and username. Is that really user and user and password just the same? No. So this this is the account. So if you want to, if you're an Atlassian admin, you yeah. go to your user list and you look for the user, the username, or the email, any oh. one of those three in there. Um, and that's how you know you're on an affected version. So if you've updated oh. to an, a patched version, they removed this user. That's, okay. I think what that's, was the password? What the I'm guessing it was password or null, maybe. Oh, God. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, no. It, that, that's not correct because the password was actually, it's hard-coded, but that, that's what got leaked online. It was the password or the fact the user itself? The password got leaked online. The password, oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, the user is hard-coded and the password happened to be hard-coded as well. Oops. Whoopsies. This is like Security 101, right? Again, yeah. Don't use hard-coded passwords. Don't use static SSH keys. Like, yeah, this is all basic software development lifecycle stuff. Laziness wins again. <laughs> we want to. I tried to look much... up the CVSS on this, but uh, I couldn't find. It. I, I'm guessing it's this is a 9.8 because a hard-coded password to an admin account, like you can go wild if you have that. Yeah. No kidding. A ton of IP in that. I'm telling you, that, that's a bad one for sure. Makes me wonder uh, what other things could you do once you, you know, you have admin, you just start deleting stuff. I mean, that's that's bad, especially if it's publicly facing. It gets even worse. Yeah, because Confluence, like that's what, that's like an internal wiki. So you can post source code there. You can post passwords there. You can post your SOPs there. Like there's a lot of really private stuff that people post in Confluence that would be disastrous if it ever went public. Goodness gracious. Yeah, not the, not the first Atlassian bug that I think we, we've talked about. I think they've had some other you know, remote code execution problems. And you know, just like any other software company, they have their, their issues. Um, I, I, can, I can see that. But hard-coded password, like I said, that's security 101. Like, yeah, that's unforgivable. You think that was the intern that did that? <laughs> possibly I, I i we should probably look up what the password is see if it was simple like password one or if it was like really long and complicated because if it was really long and complicated okay they they were afraid of brute forcing at least they accounted for that but having it the same on every single instance is problematic because yeah. anyone can just reverse engineer it and figure it out yeah hmm. as i scramble to see if i can figure it out hard-coded password has been leaked i wonder what's the significance of the username though I wonder what that is. Disabled system user. I think that might be like a Jedi mind trick. Like these are not the droids you're looking for. Right. This is not the system admin account you're looking for. This is not an active system admin account that has a hard-coded password and gives you a backdoor into the entire system. But the email is just hilarious. Don't delete this user at email.com. <laughs> I'm going to email this. Like, what are you, email yeah, what are you thinking? <laughs> See if you get a kickback. Yeah. See if it actually works. Oh, you so get they, a reply that says, hey, you weren't supposed to email this. I found the CVE for it. You said it was a 9.8, you think? I tried to look it up. So right before the show, I, I tried to look it up. I found it on Meyer's website. It didn't have a CVSS score attached to it. But that's that's just, does that require a CVS since it's, 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 a, it's a vulnerability that's set based off of stupidity versus an actual technical issue? 
Yeah, I'm not, good question. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, some from Miter. If you're listening out there, you can tell us would this actually get a CVSS score assigned to it? But just based on what I know and based on what I've seen in the past, like hard coded passwords, admin access, this feels and smells like a nine point eight. Yeah, it's a CV- CVS number ID ten T. <laughs> we just need ID Bill Gates to, to release the giant robots with chainsaw hands that can code perfectly. There you go. We're waiting, Bill. All right, for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, I thought it'd be fun. What's your best swear word alternative? On this podcast, we're not allowed to swear, even though I have to bleep both of you out quite often. Bleep yourself. What? Yeah. Yeah, Go bleep yourself. Yeah. Man, shut up, Chris. What what the beat, Chris? (laughs) I can self-edit all the time. I have no problem dropping my swear words like a good old bucket. You know what I'm saying? And we've all had to raise kids, and I'm sure we've. I'll have to tone that back so the kids don't pick up on our bad habits. What's your What's your favorite swear word alternative? You guys got to go. I have to think about this. I just swear. So I, 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 I use go ahead, bananas. Chris. Like I walked into that server room, bananas. And it was just bananas in there. Like if it was like a huge mess, like it was just bananas in there. Like people get what I'm trying to say, especially when I say it like that. Even though it doesn't make any sense of why I would substitute the word bananas for a swear word but I, I think people get what i mean seriously bananas yeah <laughs> that's the best you got <laughs> okay. i don't say on the podcast because this, this is a professional podcast but gotcha in person i'm like oh yeah i just went in. it was just bananas in there yeah yeah so i uh lived in texas for quite a bit right so i uh, had a guy that i met, met at work and uh i i took this from him it's uh he would say son of a biscuit yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, son of a biscuit, shut the front door. I've door, heard that yeah, one. yeah. So, I guess my my go to instead of saying Jesus Christ would be cheese and rice, because then cheese and rice. Yeah, it sounds close enough. It makes my wife like cringe. She's like, "You're not supposed to say that. I'm like, You're not my real mom." <laughs> well, br- br- Brian's cheese a walking. Brian is a walking bleeping something. So he's always bleeping. Uh, you know. You guys are always casting these aspersions my way. None of it's true. Liar. It's another red-blooded <laughs> American. Like cheese and crackers. Someone says cheese and crackers. I've heard that yeah. one before. Uh, I use ish, like I-S-H. Like, don't talk yeah. ish at me. Yeah. Do you type what? W, do you type WTF or WTH to be, uh, to be, political, to be politically correct? No, I do. I type WTF. Yeah, why the face? I get, I get that yeah, one. Why the face? Yeah, why the face? <laughs> Wasn't that on Modern Family when he's trying to be? Yeah, there? yeah, that was, that was Phil. Amazing. Phil, I know. It's like I speak lingo. WTF? Why the face? I'm hip with the nice. kids. Yeah, that was a show that went downhill. Like we, I think we watched the first few seasons, and then it, it went downhill pretty quick. Modern Family. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'm the same with you. I think after season three, I was like, ah, checked out. Next. Yeah, like there's only so many stereotypes you can have. It's like the, the the all around American family with the dumb dad, and then there was the the grandfather with the young hot wife, and then the gay couple. It's like there's there's only so many times you can play the stereotype card for any one of those 
situations before it just ceases to be funny. Or, or the fact that, that the, the jokes just are the same baseline and they just repeat themselves over and over, right? So Yeah, pretty much. So speaking of that, have you guys ever watched the... I think there's some YouTube videos where they'll play clips of famous shows, but they remove the laugh track. So I think like there's one for Friends, there's one for Big Bang yes. Theory, and I think one for Seinfeld as well. And when you when you actually listen to it without the laugh track, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess that wasn't that funny. Or there's some that are actually like truly cringeworthy, but when you remove the laugh track. I've heard it with the crickets played over it as well. Because they have that yeah. gap for the laugh track, so everyone, this is like... Yeah. yeah. Well, the good one is, try, try to watch the unedited version of Blazing Saddles now. Brokeback Mountain? What'd you say? Blazing Saddles. <laughs> you never watch Blazing Saddles? Never. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was... There's some pretty racist stuff in that, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was probably was, you know, it's one of those things that was okay for the time. Even like a show like The Boondocks, that came out maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, it's it's a black writer and there are, you know, the, the voice actors are all black. But if you actually look at the stuff that they said, you like using the N-word and stuff, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that would not fly today at all. So when you think yeah. as far back as like Blazing Saddles and um, even when I was watching the original Ghostbusters, like there's a lot of like really creepy Me Too stuff in the original Ghostbusters. Like I don't think that would fly today. I was watching Austin Powers on the plane the other day, and it took me a while, but then eventually I figured out, wait, they're they're subbing a lot of the words that were on this movie into different <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, you watched the actual airline version of it. Yeah, I did. It was still hilarious, but it was one particular thing where it came up. I'm like, nah, I could remember it was something different. And then later on they made a they you know, they pointed towards something that I was like, All right, it was referring towards the lower, not the upper there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Goldmember. That's probably the movie you were watching. No, it was yeah. the first one, but Goldmember was the good. first All of them were great. Uh, yeah. Get in my belly. <laughs> Fat bastard. Yeah. He was a good Fat one. bastard. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. It, it, I'm not going to lie to you. It took me about the first 10 minutes after the series of characters started to show up in the, in the movie, and I'm like, is that all Mike Myers? Is that really him? I'm like, oh my gosh, it really is. So like I said, it, it took me a little bit to figure out that it was Mike Myers playing the same character over and over again. So It was brilliant. That's all I have to say. I'm yeah. going to have to watch it with the kids. The older yeah. kids. Yeah. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. Yesterday, I walked in on my girlfriend in bed with her personal trainer. I said to her, this isn't working out. (laughs) Double entendre. (laughs) That's the dad joke. Wah, wah, wah. All right, well, before we wrap things up, we have an awesome announcement that our content after we finished episode 70 has now reached two days worth of content. So if you were to listen to every single episode of the PebCAC podcast back-to-back, it would take you 48 hours or now two days to finish all the content. So that's just another awesome milestone that we have for our podcast here. And we thank you, the listeners, for making that possible. That's amazing. Just two days? Anyone that's listened to everything, my heart goes out to you. Oh, that's 48. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so 48 hours worth of content. So, yeah, so anyone that's listened to every single episode, and I know all of us have, and I've listened to it multiple times editing it, 
uh, you've spent at least two days with us. Nice. You know me better than my real mother now. Congratulations. There's also rife uh, material for anything that requires voice authentication. You have two days worth of our voices to synthesize whatever you need need us to say. Rut row. Uh-oh. Yeah, that'll be funny. We do we use do like a a voice changer episode. We all talk like robots or something. Yeah, maybe I need to get one of those synthesizers. That'd be pretty cool. I'm gonna talk like a redneck, <laughs> right around here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we each pick different accents to talk during the whole show. That'd be really tough. Moonshine. Moon, yeah. You want to get the truck stuck in the mud? All right. To wrap things up. You can legally make $2 million by hacking Apple's lockdown mode. Insider trading now extends to cryptocurrencies, so do not do that. Atlassian is having a bad day after a hard-coded password got leaked online. And that ish is bananas. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Bye, y'all. See you, in- see you on the voice-changing episode. Moonshine. <laughs>